Go. Yo, yo, yo. 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 I'm very excited. Yeah, are you? Yeah. Uh, it has been, I think, a week. We missed a week in between. It has been a while since mm-hmm. we spoke for the last time. Yeah. Plus. Just one week. Yeah. So, yeah, interested and curious to hear how things have been going for you. Has anything. What, what has happened? What did I miss out on? I paid for hay. Oh, nice. <laughs> are you actually like? Are you actively using it yet? I am. I am. Nice. Are you forwarding? It's. Uh, I am forwarding. Yeah, exactly. I'm forwarding, and um, I'm just forwarding for now until they do have the custom domain. Yeah. Because I'm not sure if I'll stick around for for like the next time. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna take from your advice as well and just get my own custom domain name and you know just set set up my email through that and then from here on out do that one time switch only tell everybody that is you know important uh, or that I get emails from frequently that it's that it's important like clients and stuff like that yeah that this is my new email and then go from there and then set it up with uh with hey it's been a really nice experience if i could briefly touch on it we we kind of went in depth last time but if i could briefly touch on it the experience i've had for the last couple of weeks has been super nice i've never checked my email this little oh nice in, in my life before yeah because it is true there is some ocd kind of nature but it's not for everybody though definitely uh i've definitely seen people that have like i don't know like 800 and something unread emails oh yeah and they just keep piling it up i couldn't do that so i'm i always need to have that um that thing on zero so that's why i guess i my mind would constantly go into check it and then yeah and then you realize how little of important emails you actually get that's also been a realization yeah that uh, is absolutely true. Yeah, the feed is nice. I love having things into the uh, like the receipts and stuff into one single pile, and I love the clips thing because I oftentimes did that to myself. What is the clips thing? That uh, that you can um, like if you have a confirmation code, you copy it mm. and and it, it's like available to you in some sort of uh, clip like list. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I oftentimes have confirmation codes or things that I need constantly uh, for 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 different different reasons, uh, yeah. private and and public. But it's definitely don't put in passwords and stuff like that, you know. But it is <laughs> like I do have confirmation codes and and like I don't know important dates or things like that that I'm that I'm saving in there and that I always just used to try to do the, this way with starting emails you know yeah i'll try to resend it to myself and then start the email and have it on that like list of stars kind of thing that's kind of how i manage the same kind of concept but they definitely do it much better but it's been really nice it's been super nice i I, i'm loving it yeah i really like that they yeah rethought some of the usage patterns that you have with email and avoided these kind of hacky yeah these hacks to kind of do what you want to do with both like the set aside and the, the clips and the reply later stacks that I have. I think these are like features that everyone I know has some way in his email client to hack something to 
take care of this. But it's really nice to see like a first class thought out solution for for these very common uh, problems that you have. Yeah, the screener I've from what I've seen on Twitter and stuff is like the number one hit. Everybody loves the screener. Yeah, that's interesting to to be able to screen. And then the second thing is the news feed, or yeah. uh, or the feed, the feed. Yeah, that everyone loves the fact that they just yeah check your newsletters and stuff. Yeah, that to me it's so. Uh, I have the same like you. I do need to have my inbox, or I want to have my inbox at zero. And then the newsletters I want to keep for later. So I've been just moving them into their own folder. And it's yeah. so nice to have to just build into the tool essentially, and let's keep it out of the uh, out of the like actual like transactional mails that you have to respond to. Yeah. yeah. So it's been nice. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious. I'm still waiting on the custom domain support to really move my stuff over yeah and i'm still a little bit like one of the things I did after we chatted i did some more like research and i'm still not completely sure what to do since a like you can't copy your existing mail into hey mm -hmm. so i'm not sure what to do with like the stuff that i already have because i mm -hmm. kind of don't want to lose it but i also don't want to have it just as a backup on my Mac, for example, because that will crash eventually. And I just would like to host it somewhere. Yeah. And the same is also true a little bit for stuff that goes into Hey, although I think that is easier to like export later on, but it would still be nice to have it in a format that I could actually access through IMAP or something if I ever need to. Mm -hmm. So I'm now thinking whether or not I should set up something where I can forward emails as well and keep them as a backup somewhere else. But, oh, I see. So yeah, I set up where, for example, like the mails would first go to like a different provider. And then from there I would forward a copy to Hey, and then use Hey to uh, read the emails and answer the emails, but have mm -hmm. a backup at another provider just for like safekeeping. Yeah. But yeah, then we get into the privacy issues again. And would I actually want to have my email at a different provider? And do I want to pay for like two different accounts and these kind of things? And yeah, I think if you want to do that, you would have to pay for two different accounts if you yeah. want all the uh, check all the boxes. I read a fact, like I listened to a uh, conversation where they, someone else talked about their experience with Fastmail. Mm -hmm. And they also have like a very interesting support for custom domains and especially catch all domains with features mm -hmm. that I'm missing from ProtonMail. And they're not that expensive, so I'm kind of considering maybe adding that as like a step in between, but yeah, I'm not sure yet. We'll see. We'll see. It's all so complicated. <laughs> as but, everything. Yeah. We make it complicated. Ah, oh, that's true. Like the level of perfectionism that goes into this is way too high. Yeah. Uh, and I think DH8 in one of his tweets, I think at the thing was in a tweet, he argued that it's actually not that bad to not be able to import your history. Because, yeah, you don't necessarily need emails from 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of torn on that because there's like the fear of missing out and losing something that I have. But on the other hand, it might actually like I don't actually think I would notice not having that stuff flying around. But yeah, I'm un I'm divided. I'm uncertain mm. what the right call is here. Yeah. But besides that, I have just been still working with elixir finish nice. the finish finish the, the the course that i was going through which is yeah. freaking amazing and yeah 
just been still plugging along with it, messing around with it, that and GraphQL. And GraphQL, it just gets nicer and nicer every time. Mm. Oh, I'm tempted as well now, but yeah, I only have so much time in a day. Yeah, I know. I know. What have you been up to? You seem like you've been busy. Uh, not at all. Uh, quite <laughs> the opposite in a lot of ways. And it's something that I would maybe want to discuss later a little bit, but um, as a quick update, yeah, I've not done as much as I set out to do. Given that we haven't spoken in two weeks, um, mm -hmm. I have not made that much progress. I did set up a new Basecamp project for a small yeah, side project kind of thingy mm -hmm. that I started, which A, it's just uh, it's such a nice tool and I really like their shape up methodology. And I went in and like created, um, like wrote down a post what I want to do and then created another post with like, hey, this is like my first cycle that I want to try. And like, this is the goal that I set for myself and try to give it like some structure and some accountability, which was actually quite nice to do. Mm. And then, and that's like where the actual like enjoyment was. I used their to-dos to like list out things that I discovered while working on this. And I'm not sure, have you read ShapeUp? No, it's it's been, so Rework and ShapeUp are the things that I've been meaning to read for a okay. while now. I think I'm going to start with ShapeUp since it's like a download thing. Yeah, ShapeUp, and, I can highly recommend it. It's really interesting, especially like for a very small team as like such as we are. I You don't, it doesn't make sense to implement it like one-to-one. -one. And there is at the end of the book, there's like some guidance on like, how you can adapt this to like smaller teams or so. Okay. That's but good. one of the things that I thought was really interesting as like a fundamental kind of view on how things work is that they don't create to-dos upfront. They essentially say, hey, this is like the topic that we want to tackle in the next six weeks. And then when mm -hmm. the team starts working on this, they will discover the to-dos while working on this. But it doesn't make sense to go in before and say, these are the 76 things that need to be done because you okay. can't notice upfront. Like you will learn these things while you work on it. I so agree with that. Yeah, exactly. And like I had exactly this experience where I was like, hey, I want to try, like, I want to tackle this topic. I have a very rough idea. But while working on this, I was like, oh, I also need to do this. And I also need to do this. And I also need to do this. Exactly. And they combined this with a concept they call hill charts, which uh, <laughs> it's like a, a hill as a visualization, you have essentially like a line that goes up, uh, fr like from the left to the right, goes up and then goes down on the other side. Mm -hmm. And the, the idea behind this is that work moves up the hill and then down on the other side. Because in the beginning, you have a lot of unknowns and you need to kind of push the ball up the hill. And there's a lot of discovery that happens. And this is also the time where you generate a lot of to-dos because you're figuring out what the actual like problem is, what shape it has, how you can solve it. And during all of these unknowns, it is very hard to, for example, estimate how long it will take you to finish because you're still figuring exactly. everything out. But when you're at the top of the hill, the land around you becomes clear and then you kind of go into execution mode. And as you go down the hill, it's essentially just, yeah, following Tackling through on things, things yeah. that you uh, researched or discovered earlier. And I really like this idea or like this um, this mental tool in a way to kind of work with this. And I've had exactly the same experience while kind of working on my uh, my project and writing down my 
writing out my to-dos, I kind of discovered a lot of things that I would still need to do. And as I worked on a topic, I crossed off like one to-do and added three more and was like moving up the hill. And then towards the end, it really felt like um, then kind of going into like this execution mode where suddenly everything was pretty clear and I could just hammer out code. And suddenly what was very like slow progress for the first week was wrapped up in like two days towards the end. And nice. That was really nice and it was really a pleasant experience to kind of work with Basecamp in this way and like try out this methodology in like a very, very small, small scale. Mm -hmm. And what I was working on was a little bit of like a Rails project. Yeah, Rails. And that was so pleasant. Like I, I miss Ruby. I have to admit it. It's, it is a nice language and. I've been struggling a little bit with some of the things we discussed in previous weeks and especially like, where do you put your code in rails? Mm -hmm. I, and I'm not sure if this is a mistake yet or not, but I implemented authentication without device. Good. Good. So, but it gets complicated because I want to use OAuth exclusively for like user auth. I don't want to have user accounts in my app, essentially. I just want to have users sign up with their OAuth providers mm. because I want to, in the end, fetch data from an API and they need to use OAuth anyway to authorize this. So it doesn't make sense to like first have them create an account and then link or like sign in with like another account to authorize the API. And Rates has OmniAuth as a very nice framework around this, but it's still leaves or gives you a lot of things you have to figure out yourself. And I looked at a lot of like resources and I uh, subscribed to go rails again to watch like a few of the videos on this topic. And it is all like very simple if you have one identity provider. So if a user can sign up with Facebook, but only with Facebook, it's super simple to implement. You can even use device or whatever else. Yeah. Like they're, they're like very easy solutions for this. But in my case, I would want users to be able to log in with like different accounts or link different accounts like Facebook, Twitter, Google, whatever. And then suddenly you have to maintain like these identities for users plus a user account and the logic in the login flow or like the sign up flow is like ex it's actually getting kind of tricky because you have to check whether or not a user is signed in or not. Because if a user is signed in, they want to link an account. If a user is not signed in, they want to sign in. And then yeah. maybe there's no user that matches the identity. So you get the callback from OAuth and this might be a new user. So you have to sign a user up and they're like yeah, six exactly. or seven no, different like cases that you have to cover. And I'm probably missing two and I'm really afraid that those are the security issues that I will run into later. But just kind of writing out these six different or seven different uh, scenarios that you have and finding a way how to write that code in a way that it's easy to read and like clear what it does. And they're like, no edge cases I missed has actually been pretty tough to do. Because, yeah, what do you do? Do you just write like seven if statements and <laughs> no one big like switch block or like it just... And then where do you put the code? It obviously can't go in a controller, but then at the same time, do you want to set like the session from this code or not? Like it has been a little bit of like an exploration and experimentation. And that has been a lot of fun, I have to admit, like especially in Ruby where it just, 
the step from like writing out your intent as a comment to actually having it in code is so small. Like in a lot of cases, I literally did the, like I started a comment block and did like, if user is signed in and the only change I did is like comment this out and made user signed in a method. Yeah. But it just, it's so close, like how I think in English that it's been such a joy to kind of work with it again. Exactly. That's why it makes it so nice. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I enjoy it. Yeah. To me is is Rails the the selling point. I've I don't know. Ruby is nice to write with, definitely. But to me Rails is just such a nice framework. Yeah. Almost definitely, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm quite intrigued. Like this the last two weeks have been just focused on like the uh auth part uh, part because that was like an interesting kind of project, something that yeah, normally we always default to using frameworks for various different reasons, uh, simplicity mm -hmm. for one, and then kind of having a community reviewed uh, solution for auth is, yeah, especially in like commercial projects, super important. Yeah. In this case, it really reminds me of the selfish programmer talk where he says, hey, just do this yourself to learn. And this is part of it. The other one is that, yeah, I did want like a little bit of a custom solution here um, since I don't want to maintain my own accounts. But now I'm in the interesting position again that I don't really know what to do next, where I have my auth and now there are like four different ways in which I could go and like what the next feature could be that I implement. And is now the time to kind of figure out like styling. And I would really want to look at the component uh, library that I think GitHub created and reviewed at or uh, previewed at. Yeah. I think Rails kind of last year already. And I think they just released like version two or something. To write that library, like, yeah. To write like components in in yeah. Ruby and Rails, yeah. Yeah. That looks super interesting, but yeah, this is one, and then the other ones like work more on like the API integration, and I feel a little bit like overwhelmed and. I know. Like, I feel like this is like story here. of story of my life. Every time we start something, and then you get something done, and then you're like, all right, which direction should I go? What else do I need to do? And you see all the complexities in each one of them. You're like uh wait video games yeah exactly i actually <laughs> so this is this is actually like a nice nice bridge to like the other topic because they now intermingle in a very interesting way i've been playing some video games the last two weeks as well again uh one of which is the new f1 game and while playing the f1 game i actually uh started looking at like my old project again writing like the uh, like the uh, api tools for like the racing simulations I was yeah, like, oh, exactly. maybe I should this pick this up again. And like, maybe it would be interesting to work on this now. And then I kind of caught myself. I was like, no, let's not just jump around from like project to project again. But yeah. Yeah. Ever since you mentioned the, like, there's just so much time you have, you know? Yeah. Meaning like, uh, yeah, you don't have all the time in the world and you should pick your battles in terms of projects. I've definitely been more careful in things that I want to pursue and do. Obviously, there's things that I want to, that I would like to do just to learn. And I yeah. think that that's, that's fine with me. But in terms of projects that I want to take seriously, I'm very much being, I'm going to become a little more picky with that. Yeah. That, uh, cause yeah, I, there was, for example, the one of them is I was thinking I didn't want to pay for one password mm. to keep uh, like a password Dude, management. It's and, what, $3 per month? 
No, man. I'm like, I don't want to get locked into this for life. You know, I'm not. This shouldn't be a for life thing that I'm going to get in here. So I'm not doing that. And I was thinking maybe I should make my own because I mean, so for example, if one password was like, I don't know, say they're like, oh, this is um, like $500 for yeah. software. Then, I, then I'll be like, all right, let's, let's go. Like one time payment, 500, I'm, I'm in. That makes sense to me, but not paying for life for like the rest of my life. I don't want to do that. But then they constantly deliver value. So what what I find really interesting here is that I would guess that you as someone who thinks about like side projects and building a business should understand the value of like recurring income. Most definitely, most definitely, but not when it comes to this kind of stuff. I think that there's like, there's so much, like there's only, I feel like it does, it's not a one size fit all and it shouldn't be for all kinds of businesses that you, that you do this, you know? But like, I, I. So for me in this particular, like even more in this particular instance, I'm really happy to pay like a recurring fee because I want them to be able to harden the shit out of my password manager and make sure that it like works with all the new operating systems forever. I would I got, I, hate if they like, it's a great tool now, but if they stop development and it's, let's say iOS 18 has a new API and then suddenly the autocomplete doesn't work anymore. Like that would just... That would suck. But you can solve that though. For example, I have, I bought this software, uh, a while, like 2017 from, from, a, from a colleague uh, that um, we both had. Shout out to Rick. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, uh, it's called, it's called, let me see, GIFFOX, I guess. GIFFOX, whatever. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like GIF or whatever, a fox, right? Yeah. And what it does is just, it just takes snippets and, and creates them into GIFs. Yeah. So if you have, if you're trying to do, if you're trying to show like, for example, a client or you're trying to show somebody your new project, or yeah. if you're trying to show me how your API works, right? Yeah. Then you'll like do the the GIF into the, then you, you, you can specifically put in the, uh, like a browser or a simulator or like just specific windows. And then yeah. it will record for whatever time that you want and it'll turn it into a GIF and you can send that lightly. Yeah. into anything you want super fast i bought that a while back and it was like 10 bucks i think or yeah. something like that uh it was one-time payment 10 bucks they redid a lot of stuff made it better uh more performant they made it more uh more friendly for the newer macbook uh yeah. like you know the security stuff that like yeah. um the new macbook um version started implementing in like catalina where it was like super like you know you need to give permission to everything so right now it's it doesn't work as good the previous one when i tried to download it however they redid a lot of stuff created stuff now they have a new one but you can't just upgrade to it uh free if you want to upgrade to it you have to pay again and for users that had it previous one you have like a 20 percent discount or something yeah. like that to the new one and i think you can just do that kind of stuff like that's another good business model in terms of having like something recurring yeah. every month or every year and i think that's a that, that's something that they could have done as well to be like oh look we improved the security on this and this obviously this is like you know developers like but then paid like- and we need things so pay again kind of stuff but like to me, this is just like in the end, it's exactly the same thing. You just have a different label on it. Like if you look at, and since I'm not a pro user, it might be wrong here, but I think Sketch has like a very similar business model where they 
you buy the license for one version and then you can open uh, projects that were created with this version for like forever. But then they also every year essentially release a new version that you have to upgrade to. Mm-hmm. So while it's a one-time payment, because they release like a new update every year, you essentially have to rebuy the same thing every year again. Which on one hand is, I think, fair in a way because they are actually like developing it and adding new features. But then it also doesn't feel that different from just having a subscription model to begin with because if you're actually a user of the software, you will find a feature in a new version that you want and you will have to upgrade no matter what. Yeah. And then maybe like there is like the the one argument I could see is that maybe you want to skip a version because there's just like maybe for you as like a personal user, it's fine to like just upgrade every two years because you don't need the latest stuff all the time and you can kind of miss out on one year and just reduce costs this way. But Yeah, exactly. Like I don't just, I want to like have my stuff all the time there. And then another thing that I'm different from you, I guess, and other 1Password developers is I don't care what the argument is. I don't want my stuff in the cloud. Like I want to just store locally forever. And then I want to have the option to be able to like export that and import it into yeah. my Android device or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but then, like, exactly that, that would be my next question. Like how would you then deal with like auth on the phone? Because I feel like this is the biggest shift that has happened in the last like 10 years. Like for me, I also always was like a fan of KeePass, for example, and KeePass X. Um, because you could have a local vault and it wasn't synced to the cloud and I could have that here on my file server. But then once I'm good with that. I got an iPhone, this just didn't work anymore because suddenly I want to lock into websites on my phone as well or into apps. And I need to have something that works on the phone. And <laughs> I think in the beginning, the solution was to put, uh, I think it was with one password where they in the beginning synced through Dropbox like the, the very old like 1Password versions. But then suddenly you had like an encrypted vault in Dropbox, which to me feels worse than having it in like the 1Password cloud and quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've, like that to me is like the, the problem that I see with like, especially the offline solutions. What, to, to keep it in sync or? Yeah, because in the end, like if I need to degrade kind of my, my security because I, I'm sick and tired of like inputting long passwords by hand on my phone. I'm like going back to memorable passwords because of this, then I haven't gained anything by having the password manager in the first place. If I, I mean, if I, on my if I have it offline and then I can just export that and import it into my Android, for example, yeah, but how would uh, you version import that into your yeah, Android? That- yeah, exactly. So this is the thing that I, I was like thinking that I wanted to kind of build something where I can just export an encrypted file or like an encrypted encrypted text file or an encrypted CVS mm-hmm. um, with the same key that it is only, you know, decryptable with my master password, yeah. right? Then I can export that um, into, into just export it into like an encrypted file, like I said, put it into my Android and import it and like have like an import button in the app version of this you know, software where I could just import, grab that file, encrypt it, and it's like in there as my store now. Yeah. Which, uh, which I just put in my master password, and then I have my my synced passwords more or less. So I was thinking that m- maybe I could build something like that. 
And then obviously, uh, I had started talking to some people and I don't, cause I don't want to do it. It's not yeah. like, I'm like, oh yeah, well, this is something that I definitely want to do. Like, obviously it would be really cool that I can do it. And it's like my own building solution that I'm for sure know that is, uh, is offline and it's fine or whatever. It's like, you know, trying to find like the best encrypted strategies to encrypt files and encrypt stuff like that. So I can just make sure or, or kind of, cause I'm, I was trying to see also just, as an alternative, I was like, I'll build my own stuff and I'll look at what kind of strategies like one password uses. Yeah. And then I can be like, for sure, know that I'm using the same strategies. Yeah. And you know, why, why shouldn't my work? And then I, uh, somebody mentioned key pass as well. Yeah. To, to give it a go. And it seems like they, uh, they kind of have like an export import type of thing. And I haven't tested it out yet, but I just started using it with little things. Yeah, and I'm going to try and export that and import it into an Android app that uses KeePass as well. And then uh, if I can import that in and it works the same way, then why in the world would I ever want to build that? You know, that's just a waste of my absolute time. Yeah, that most so, definitely. Like if you read the so, white papers of One Password and you see how much time they spend building their things, it's just crazy. Like it's, I think, impossible to do in a like reasonable and sensible manner um by yourself yeah but i mean uh, if i can use the same strategy to encrypt um then then that's all i all i really care about i I don't care about other stuff they they need to go like the extra mile because they're hosting this and they're they're like in sync and and they're in the cloud and stuff like that yeah with other stuff but not even that like just i think the whole like I, for example, would be freaked out about like the security that you have to then give your Android app because I think that would always be the weakest link that your um, file might be encrypted really nicely, but then all your keys, for example, are in plain text in the memory of your your phone or you have- But I would be like creating a, the app, like I would have created the app, you know, and I would have made sure that that's not even safe to whatsoever. Yeah, but then like you're still dependent on like all the security tooling in Android and you have oh, yeah. to know how to use that correctly and these kind of things. Like I think the chance that you have like an unencrypted temp file in a public readable location on your phone would be higher than that like one password gets hacked or something like. No, not me though, if I developed it. I've worked with mobile, app so for so long and i'm working on so many encrypted stuff that i, I know where to look for maybe to, yeah. to know if it's tempting yeah. but uh but yeah no i'm definitely giving it a try to see what what uh if if i don't have to do it i will definitely not do it yeah but i can still highly recommend one password to be honest <laughs> uh, yeah i know i just don't want to pay for that for the rest of my life yeah but like it's it's literally it's so cheap Especially like for me, what is, has turned out really well is the family account. So mm-hmm. I think it's 60 bucks per year and I share one with my girlfriend and then I also got my uh, family or like my parents to get their own account. And that has nice. been such a lifesaver because it's so easy to kind of share logins and share important, like not just logins, but also you have like secure notes and codes and you can upload documents in there. It's such such a lifesaver to kind of keep very like uh, important information in one place and kind of with your white paper yeah. and all the, like if I look at all the huge companies that use it, that have insane IT departments and like InfoSec groups that have deemed this to be a safe option, I'm feeling pretty confident. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. 
For sure. I don't doubt that they're super safe. You know, I really yeah. don't. I, I don't doubt that they're safe. I probably think that they're but, the best, safest solution you can possibly have. I, two things, don't want to pay for life and don't want my stuff in the cloud. Like simple. I, I just don't want those two things that they offer. Yeah. The cloud so, one, that is a good argument for me. The not paying for this. My, I would bet that the time you've spent now researching other alternatives has cost you more than $60. Oh, no. Why? No, of course not. I love doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, could be online playing, searching just, all day. Just playing devil's advocate here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, what what we didn't get to, and I will leave those for like next episode maybe, is um, what I was originally like thinking a little bit about the last few weeks is that a like it's the second half of the year, and given like remembering the goals that I set, I made very little progress, and I've been thinking a little bit about why that is and kind of how I feel currently, and that also ties into like the whole like what did I get done the last two weeks, which in a way feels not that much, but then mm-hmm. I also feel like. I need a vacation and I'm not sure if it's just this year has been just crazy in so many unexpected ways. And it feels like it just keeps getting worse and worse in a lot of ways <laughs> um, that when it comes to like the whole discussion that we, that we had a few times now, whether or not we want to kind of commit more seriously to certain projects or really start looking into doing something together. So that, yeah, I, I kind of got the feeling that, that there's like some tension there. Uh, between what I kind of get done on one hand and what I want to get done on the other. And mm-hmm. I think it could be an interesting thing to kind of talk about, but it also deserves more time than two minutes towards the end of the show. So, um, yeah, I agree. I kind of want to put this out there, but maybe let, let's dive deeper into this um, next next time. Yeah, we can make it all about that next uh, next next episode for sure. Because I, I also have a lot to, to say about that. And I think that there's a lot of good points to consider. And uh, a lot of stuff that that I've thought about in the last couple of weeks as well, different different perspectives, especially from the Euro, um, the ElixirConf EU yeah. that I that I went to the the first the first uh, keynote that happened from the uh, ex or first time CEO of uh, of Erling. Yeah, talking about she she was a completely non technical talk all about business, and that opened up my eyes to a whole bunch of stuff as well, and. So we'd love to discuss it further in the next one. Awesome. I'll check out the talk. Is it on YouTube yet? Let me link it to you because I think that that you have to, it's like by link, you know? Oh, okay. It, it's not, yeah, it's not like available, but I'll link it to you so you listen to that for sure. Yeah, then we have that for next time. Cool. It was great catching up. All right. Yeah, same here, dude. Take care and talk next week. Till next time. Bye-bye. Yeah. Peace.